together. We're continuing our series on belonging. Amanda said it earlier on the video, belonging, talking about what it means to find a place in the body of Christ, what it means to find a place where you'd say, you know what, this is what I believe, and these are my people, and this is my place. Man, in the days of the early church, there was just this sense that, man, Everything was just going right. Nothing could go wrong. It was the glory days of the church and everything was beautiful and perfect. And there's this thing sometimes among us preachers. We just want to look at that early church, that first century church, that church in the book of Acts as if it were some kind of a, some kind of a Camelot, some kind of a, some kind of a summer kingdom where, where nothing can go wrong and everything can go right and everything is just beautiful and wonderful. And, and, and it was that way. Kinda for a while. And it was beautiful and, and the Lord was just showing up everywhere you turn, people just being filled with the Holy Spirit and people just, just being powerful in the Holy Spirit. And man, I think about that. I think about that every time somebody goes through the water of baptism and there's this there's this there's this sense of man, things are just right. Things are just right, you know, and the heart is full and the the expectations are high and the future is bright. Man, I remember when I got baptized for the first time. I was a little bitty kid. I was much, much younger than Emma because I knew I wanted Jesus in my heart. I knew, I knew because I had little brothers, I knew what it was to be a sinner. And I, just, I knew I wanted Jesus in my heart, and my parents were loving me and pouring Jesus into me, and it was a beautiful thing, and, and I got baptized. But I also know what it is. I also know what it is, having, having stated, I'm in, right? And that's a big part of what baptism is about. It's a way to say, I'm in. This is what I believe. These are my people. This is my place. I'm in. I also know what it is. You'll know what I'm talking about, Mason. I also know what it is to, to go along through your, through your journey with Christ. And, and maybe, maybe you're kind of rested on some thoughts of, because I'm in, I'm good. Because I'm in, I don't, I don't need to kind of stay at it. I mean, this is where... This is where Sunday school teachers and children's ministry leaders and vacation Bible school leaders and youth group leaders, people who love you enough to keep challenging you, people who love you enough to keep drawing you forward in discipleship, right, Paul? People who love you enough to keep sowing the word into your life, knowing that your fifth grade understanding of who Jesus is, right, Emma, is not going to be enough for your 15-year-old's journey with Christ. So when we talk about growing, we talk about, we talk about you know, these five Gs. We, we were going to talk about this until Thanksgiving. Yeah? The grace that brought you in in the first place. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I need grace. I need God to pour His grace out on me. And, and the kind of growth we're talking about here is not church growth per se. It's not, it's not growth in numbers per se. It's the kind of growth that allows people like you and me to say, you know what? Not only am I in... Not only is this what I believe, not only are these my people, I'm still in. Even though I've stumbled, even though maybe I've fallen, I'm still in. Through the good stuff, I'm still in. Even through the hard stuff, I'm still in no matter what. And that's hard. That's hard because sometimes the no matter what can be something 
that catches you so completely off guard, something for which you are so completely unprepared, something that threatens to sideline you in the faith. So here's some questions that I want to invite you to chew on while we have our time together this morning. It's some things I want to invite you to let be prompts or spurs toward worship for your heart. Ready? So here we go. How is God at work in you? How is God at work in you? Because I believe God is always at work in you. And if you find yourself in a, in a moment in your, in your life and development with Jesus, if you find yourself in a moment where you say, you know what, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of in a lull right now. There's nothing particular. That, I mean, there was a few months ago I was really kind of in the fight then, or maybe I was really in the blessing then. But right now I feel like I'm kind of in between, you know, stretch places or growth places in the Lord. Well, maybe God's given you a bit of a rest. Maybe God has given you some, some room and some space to heal and prepare for what's next. But let me just invite you to, to ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me eyes to see how you're at work in my life? Lord, would you give me eyes to see those growth places where you're trying to draw me deeper, where you're trying to draw me higher, those places, Lord, where you're trying to plant your seed even deeper in me so that it can bear fruit? Because having been in, Lord, I want the testimony of my life to be I'm still in. How is God at work in you, in us, as a body of Christ, as a family of faith? How is God at work in us? What's God preparing you for? What's God preparing you for? Because my personal theology says that God is always preparing me for something. God is always preparing me for whatever it is that's coming next. And I don't know what the next is. I, I talk about that with people every Sunday in the foyer as, as people are leaving. They're just like, I don't know what's next. I just don't know what's next in my life. You know what? I don't either. I don't either. But I know God's making me ready for it. I know that, I know that all those things that challenged me in the past helped make me ready for today. Can I get an amen on that? Just, just an essential amen, assent, amen. Yeah, everything that's gone before has made me ready for where I am today. And everything that's going on in my life today is making me ready for whatever it is that God has in mind that's coming next. Do you believe that? Do you believe? I, I believe that. I really do. Because I believe that God is always at work in us, that God is always speaking to us, that God is always leading us. And so the question is going to come inevitably. Not only are you in, but are you still in? Are you still in? So good stuff, hard stuff, and, and, and all of that. And I want to read to you from, from the book of Acts, beginning at chapter 3, but just sort of just sort of picking and choosing, cherry-picking some passages from chapter 3 all the way through chapter 9 because those report cards that I told you about in the book of Acts, those places where, where Luke just says, here's how it was going in the church. Here's, here's, how, here's how things were going, like in chapter 2 when he says, you know, and, and uh, they, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone filled with awe at the many signs and wonders. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property, and so that anyone who had need could 
Their needs could be met, and they continued to meet together, and they, they continued to break bread in their homes. They ate together with gladness and sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me give you another one of those, and it comes in Acts chapter 9, and it says this, just another one of those report cards. And then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, increasing in number. They were growing. But in between those two report cards, in between those two report cards about, you know, 3,000 people got saved and it was a beautiful time. It was a glorious time. In between that report card and the one that said, and so the church enjoyed peace and God was doing these beautiful things. In between those two report cards, there was plenty of good stuff and hard stuff. And there were times when people could have very easily sort of fallen out. Falling out. So Acts chapter 3, one day, Peter and John, going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about 3 in the afternoon there, there was a man who had been lame from birth, and he was being carried in the temple. He was carried to the temple at the gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So you need to get a sense of this guy, right? This guy, his, his living, his occupation, his livelihood, was through the benevolence and goodness of people who were coming into the temple, and he positioned himself at the gate called Beautiful, and he was just begging alms. And that's, that's how he provided for himself, and, and it was a hard, tough existence. And Peter and John, among all the other throng of people going in to worship at the temple, Peter and John making their way into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I always wonder, always wonder if Peter says, look at us, because anybody that looks at us knows we ain't got no money. Right? You know, Peter says, look at us. And he looks at them. He gives them his attention. And he, Peter says, silver and gold have I none. This is the way I memorized it when I was a kid. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says, Peter took his hands. And immediately, it says, the word immediately, immediately, he was strengthened and he, and he stood up and he, began, and, it, and he went walking and leaping and praising God and the people in the temple who had seen him begging for alms all those days, all those years up until now. They, they recognized him at the, there at the gate called Beulah. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And, and the upside of this, the upside of this comes Several verses later where it, says, where it says this, Many who heard the message that day believed. So the number of those grew to be about 5,000 people. Now, an initial growth pattern of 3,000 in the early church. Jason's the numbers guy around here. But if you were, if you were planting a church and on day one you had 3,000 people sign up and say, Count me in, you would count that a success. And you would say to yourself, This is probably a day not often repeated. But only a few verses later, honestly, just a, just a couple of chapters and a few verses later, the, now the number goes from 3,000 to 5,000, and it's an incredible growth rate in the church. It's an incredible growth rate in the church. That's the upside. But there's a downside, too. There's a downside because as, as Peter was, was going along and he was preaching, and, and, and man, I mean, I mean, Wonder and amazement, right? Wonder and amazement. Everybody's just in awe of what God's at work to do. Many you heard believed, and, and, and there's just this, this wow, look at what God is doing kind of time. 
But there's a downside too. There's some hard stuff along the way. It says that when Peter and John are preaching the gospel and sharing the message of salvation, just, just the way they frame it, the way they, the way they say it, you know, they, check out these lines. I mean, this is not how you win friends and influence people. It says, look, he says, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, you disowned the holy and righteous one, and you asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. He goes on, he says, he says look, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but now you need to repent. The beauty of that is the unvarnished truth of it. The beauty of that is the unvarnished truth of it. I mean, the fact is, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all, we all are culpable for the fact that Jesus needed to come in the first place to offer himself a sacrifice for us. And Peter says, Peter says, look, you disowned, you disowned the holy and righteous one. I remember when I was baptized, just a little bitty kid. But there have been times in my life, there have been times in my life when I didn't necessarily want to be identified that way. There were times when I stumbled because the opinion of my friends mattered more than my relationship with God. There have been times in my life when I stumbled over that one. You disowned, you disowned the holy and righteous one. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. There have been times in my life when my, when my livelihood, even though, even though I said from a very early age, I'm in, there were times that I lived and wasn't really still in. Anyway, anyway, Peter says, look, you acted in ignorance. You acted in ignorance. Usually when people are ignorant, you try to educate them. Peter says, you acted in ignorance, and now you need to repent of that. The fact is, the fact is, if we're going to grow, if we're going to say, you know what? This is what I believe. I believe that there is a God and he loves me. I believe that he sent his son to die for me. I believe that having put my faith in him, having asked him to forgive me of my sin and come into my life, I believe, I believe that God is going to lead my life and my life will be different because I have a relationship with him. I believe that. I also know what it is because of the cares of this life because of, the, because of the, the choking vines of this world, the way Hebrews says it, because of the sin that so easily entangles, I know what it is to stumble and fall and kind of fall out. And the reason I want to talk to you about this today, the reason I want to talk to you about it so plainly is because I think it's a very common experience in 20th and now 21st century American Christianity to just let the cares of this life kind of kind of choke the Jesus out of you. Oh, you started well. Maybe you started when you were a fifth grader. Maybe you started even younger than that. Maybe you believed this stuff for a long time. It's just that the believing doesn't quite make its way into your living. So the question is not just, am I in? Am I still, am I still in? Because here's, here's what happened. Peter, Peter and John, because they because they had done this incredible thing, because they had shared the gospel with such incredible boldness, they paid a price for it. They were, they were seized. They were brought before the leaders. They were questioned. Uh, Peter, Peter says, uh, Peter is brought in 
before the, the leaders and the elders. And, uh, and it just says that, oh, I'm on the wrong page here. Hang, hang on, here we go. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And they brought in Peter and John. And they said, by what power or what name did you do this? I don't know if you thought about this, but, but that, that early church, for as beautiful and wonderful and filled with hope and potential as it was, was kind of misunderstood. And their motives were kind of questioned, and, and it was kind of hard. And, and so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, I love that, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and we're being asked about how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you now healed. And, and Peter's just filled with the Spirit, and he, he, just, he just shares it, just, just plain, unvarnished truth. And he just lives out of this truth. And, and because of that, he gets seized, he gets jailed. In one place it says he gets beaten. I mean, it's hard stuff. It's hard stuff. You knew, didn't you? You knew. When you, when you got serious with Jesus, you knew it wasn't all going to be sweetness and light, didn't you? you? You knew that, right? You knew that, you knew that there would come days when your faith would be put to the test. You knew that, right? Because if you didn't know that, those days that get hard can threaten to knock you out of the kingdom. Right? But you, but, but you knew to watch for that. You, you, knew, you knew to expect those days. And Peter, you know the difference maker here? The difference maker, it says, Peter, filled with the Spirit, responds. In fact, just a few verses later, there's this interesting description about Jesus. My friend Brady loves this description. It says this, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. There's your difference maker right there. There's, there's what allows you to say, not only am I in, I'm still in. There's your difference maker right there. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, I love that. I love that because it took courage for Peter to stay in. You know, if the outcome is assured, you don't really need courage. You don't. I mean, if I was gonna if I was gonna fight with a fourth grader, I wouldn't need courage. I could beat that chump. But if I was gonna fight with a 40-year-old, I might be running in the other direction. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not when I was a 40-year-old, but now, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm just saying, it doesn't take courage. It doesn't take courage if you know the outcome. It doesn't take courage if the outcome is obvious. It doesn't take courage. Uh-oh, I see a fourth grader that wants to take me on. No offense. Anyway, it doesn't take courage if you know what the outcome is going to be. But Peter and John are at a place where, where the bad guys are holding all the cards. You know, I mean, the, the, the rulers, the elders, the court, they've been seized, they've been jailed, they've been hauled into court, they've been threatened, they've been beaten, they've been warned off. Stephen, Stephen, one of those early deacons, he's even martyred, lays down his life. I mean, the bad guys are holding all the cards. It's easy sometimes in the context of a church service to have this, oh, Jesus wins, everything's cool kind of attitude. But the fact is, when you go out of here, 
and you got to go back to the doctor for a follow-up appointment, or when you go out of here, and you have to go back into a hostile work environment, when you go out of here, and you got to go back to a family, a home that maybe is empty, or maybe it's filled with people who just don't believe what you believe. Sometimes this faith, about which you say so boldly on Sunday, I'm in, you can have a hard time on Monday saying, no, no, no. I'm still in. I'm still in. There was good stuff, but there was, there was hard stuff too. And here's what happened. On the heels of the hard stuff, when Peter and John were released, on their release, on their release, chapter 4, verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together and they prayed. They prayed. There's your secret to being still in. You turn to God. You turn to God, and when you turn to God, you just, you just throw up your hands and surrender and say, God, in fact, let me just read you the prayer they prayed. Look at verse 29, chapter 4, verse 29. Here's the prayer they were praying that day. They said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's not the prayer that a lot of us would pray. A lot of us would pray, say, Lord, consider their threats and let us off the hook for what you've called us to do. Lord, consider their threats and bring us home. Keep us safe. Lord, consider their threats and safeguard our lives and our souls. But these guys, they say, Lord, consider their threats. They're not sticking their head in the sand. They realize the bad guys are holding the cards. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with boldness. Give us the courage. Even though we are unschooled, ordinary folk, even though it's just us, Lord, give us the courage. Give us the courage to hold on to what you've called us to be and do. He said, he said stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then it says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God more boldly. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful outcome to the prayer. But it's not the kind of thing that just comes naturally. It's one of those deals where it takes people like you and me saying, Lord, I do believe. And Lord, these are my people. And Lord, this is my place. And I'm in. Lord, no matter what, I'm still in. That no matter what can get a little tough, right? That no matter what. You remember how, you remember how, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, maybe you don't know this story. They're, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. Did you ever hear that one? They're thrown into the fiery furnace because there was, this, there was this prayer that said, our Lord is able to deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not bow. You know, and I'm in. And Lord, I'm still in. Even if I don't get healed. Lord, I'm still in. Even if my father dies. Lord, I'm still in, even if, even if. It's a valid question. Those who have said, I'm in, 
It's a valid question on the far side of a stumble. It's a valid question on the far side of a fall to say, are you still in? Are you still in? The answer that God gives, I mean, God's grace, God's grace powerfully at work in them all. And if you, if you, were, to, if you were to read through Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 6, you would see this incredible move of God as the city of Jerusalem is turned upside down with the message of the gospel. And the Lord is adding to their number daily those who are being saved. But in the midst of the good stuff, there's the hard stuff. And, 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 and Stephen has to lay down his life in martyrdom. And, and, and the, the people in the church, if, if not for God providing financially, there would have been people that starved to death. There would have been people who would have, because of the, 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 the needs even for food. And so they had to change how they organized their church. They had to change how they, how they uh, managed the leadership responsibilities in the church to make sure everybody had what they needed. But in the meantime, in the meantime, things got hard. And after Stephen was killed, killed there's this line it says in acts chapter 8 verse 1 it says on that day a great persecution broke out against the church so yeah there was there was good stuff but there was hard stuff too and the hard stuff the hard so let me let me give you a picture so so this early church this early church kind of took place in an area about this size City of Jerusalem, big city, big city, and a lot of people, 3,000 people, and then next thing you know, there's 5,000 people, and the next thing you know, the Lord's adding to their numbers, but, but really, it's a tempest in a teacup when you get down to it, especially considering that God had said to them, you're going to be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, and, and, and everything that was happening, even though it was turning Jerusalem upside down, it was, it was like this, until God took his brand new baby church and picked it like a kid with a dandelion and goes, this persecution that broke out against the church on that day, it says all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And here's a report card. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And everywhere those seeds landed, the gospel began to spring up. Philip and Peter and John and all the disciples and all the apostles scattering out to the wind. And it says, it says there were people who were healed. There were people who delivered. There were people who had been demon-possessed, who were, who were set free. And there was great joy. And everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel and the church began to spread and grow so much so, so much so that you come to chapter 9 and, and, and you get to this line that says, then the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed this time of peace. You know the important difference there? That first report card had to do with the church in Jerusalem, this big. That second report card that second report card had to do with the church in Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and ultimately the uttermost parts of the earth. And yeah, they enjoyed a time of peace and they were strengthened. 
But they were living in the fear of the Lord and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit because it wasn't all good stuff. It was also hard stuff. But there was this resolve in their hearts that said, not only am I in, I'm still in. So let me take you back to those questions. Bryce, would you join me? Can you look and see how God's been at work in your life? And maybe the ways that God has been at work in your life are things that you would not have chosen. Maybe there are things, maybe there are things that if you could have avoided, you would have. Maybe there are people that God has used in your life that in retrospect you wish you had never met them. Maybe there are, maybe there are events in your life that you say now, man, I wish I'd have called in sick that day. But God's been at work in it. And some of it's been good stuff, but some of it's been really, really hard stuff. And some of it, only in the rearview mirror can you say, God was good to me even then. Maybe it's something only in retrospect that you can look back and say, God was at work there. Maybe you can identify some things now that God was preparing you for then, getting you ready. For a day like today. Because honestly, today might be a hard one. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you find yourself in a hard one today. Maybe you would have a hard time saying, I'm still in. I still believe. I'm holding on. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a minute. We're not trying to grow the church for the sake of growing the church. We're trying to grow the church for the sake of growing the people. You and me. People who have been down some hard and rocky roads. People who, with a reminder, and with just a little help, can get back up, stand again on their own two feet, holding on to the hand of God, and say, I'm still in. And maybe that's you. Last week, we invited people to come and get one of these cards to say, you know what, if, if this is what you believe and, and if these are your people, maybe it's time for you to join. Even if it means going through the water of baptism, even if it means, you know, signing up, even if you're not really a joiner type. We had 10 people say, you know what, count me in. Here's my card. This morning I had other people just hand me the card say, here, I, I brought this home with me and I've got it all filled out and ready. Here, count me in. I'm in. Maybe today is the day for you. Maybe we're going to do this through this whole series. We're going to invite you to come and grab one of these cards if you haven't yet. You may say, well, I don't know if I'm a member or not, Rusty. Well, if you don't know, then fill out one of the cards just to be safe. Just to say, yeah, I believe this stuff. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Or maybe, maybe like another friend of mine, you need to find a place at the altar because this message wasn't just about joining a church for you. This message was about a hard fall you've taken 
and a hard time you've had getting back up. And I'd be thrilled to pray with you. Jack would, Jason would. I mean, there's so many people who would love to pray with you.